Welcome to the Lightly Salted Podcast. These are the readings and sermons of St. John's Lutheran Church of Park Rapids, Minnesota. They are offered so that the Word of God would shape and strengthen you to be what He calls you to be, salt and light. You can find us at stjohnspr.org. Now, on to the Word. The Old Testament reading is from Isaiah chapter 61. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that, we, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exalt in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has clothed me with a robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. This is the word of the Lord. We will continue with the announcement to Mary. From Luke chapter 1. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The announcement to Joseph from Matthew chapter 1. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother married had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be a child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. 
she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Here from Luke, the second chapter. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Cornelius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, no place for them in the inn. This is the word of the Lord. Here the angel's proclamation from Luke chapter 2. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with grief. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace amongst those with whom he is pleased. This is the word of the Lord. Merry Christmas to you. It's great to see you all here, many of you decked out in some of your nicer clothes. Sometimes our choices for Christmas Eve are influenced by an old adage, the clothes make the man. It might have influenced what you're wearing today, because the saying reminds us that one of the first things people see about us and take note of is what we're wearing. So there are times when we dress to impress. And then there's other times when all we want to do is just go cash, which actually seems to be more and more common these days. And in fact, I know I'm getting to be an old fart because I'm thinking the cash is just a little too cash most of the time. This nugget of wisdom, the clothes make a man, it actually has a very long history of observation. According to Alexander Atkins on medium.com, variations of this proverb have been spoken by famous and, well, not so famous people. For example, Mark Twain is oftentimes given credit for this, uh, but 
he has his typical twist, and we're going to get to that a little bit later. Not, to, not a surprise to us in the Western world, but William Shakespeare spoke in the Hamlet, the peril oft proclaims the man. But before him, there was Erasmus. He was a contemporary of Martin Luther. He recorded an old Latin proverb, vestus virum facet. And he guesses what it translates as, the clothing makes the man. And it appears that he is quoting a very old proverb. And the oldest reference we have to this proverb goes all the way back 2,600 years, where Homer, in his epic Odyssey, makes the same type of connection. Throughout history, clothing has not just been for practical things, such as warmth, warmth or protection. It oftentimes indicates purpose. So, for example, unless you're a soldier, you don't wear battle gear while you're sleeping. And even as a soldier, you only wear battle gear when you're sleeping, when you're in serious danger. A lot of cultures, the clothes actually were very much of an indication of social status. But we also know another little proverb, don't we? You can't judge the book by its cover. So the vanity and the foolishness of this idea that the clothes make the man, well, that's revealed in a nice little short story by Hans Christian Andersen, The Emperor's New Clothes, which has been the title of our Advent and Christmas series. If you don't know this story, the emperor is consumed with clothing. And so along come two cunning weavers who claim to fashion garments with a very unique quality. Not only are they extraordinarily beautiful to look at or very light to wear, it is also true that these clothes are visible only to the wise and those who are fit for this, their service. So the emperor really desires to have these clothes so that he knows who's wise in his kingdom and who is able to serve fitly. The king's emissaries are sent to check out how the progress is going, and they see nothing at all as the weavers are working. But they happily talk about how beautiful a cloth it is because they don't want to be revealed as fools. When the clothes are ready, we find that the king is dressed in nothing because the cloth doesn't exist so he parades through the streets and his subjects are talking about how extraordinarily wonderful his garments are because no one wants to be a fool until the young child exclaims but the emperor has nothing on at all So, why all this talk about clothing and a story about the emperor's new clothes? Simply this. Tonight we're celebrating the great and grand truth that the true emperor, he arrived in our world in his birthday suit. And if it's true that the clothes make the man, then the arrival of God in our world in a birthday suit, well, that seems sort of foolish. 
Because after all, God has appeared in our world in other ways. For example, throughout the Old Testament, the angel of the Lord, almost 99.9% certain reference to God the Son appearing, he's the angel of the Lord, and oftentimes fear is a reaction. There's one really different clothing item that God wore once when he was calling Moses to his position. He was in a bush that was burning, but not being consumed. But probably the most fearsome appearance of God was at Mount Sinai. There he was wrapped in attention-getting and terrifying thunder and lightning, fire and smoke and trumpet sounds. His power and glory was still covered, but wow! It was covered in some majestic things and terrifying things. But now, a birthday suit? You know, if we tell the story of salvation according to the proverb, the clothes make the man, it seems sort of foolish. God the Son, being in very, very nature God, in his natural glory is wrapped in a garment of light, is how it's described in the Psalms. And yet God was, the Son was willing to become one with us in our flesh. And out of some big heroic man, but in the utter weakness of an embryo in the womb of a young woman. As God becomes incarnate, he's wrapped in skin and blood, flesh and bone, and he is born naked and small, given over to everything from the cold winds whipping through Bethlehem hair to the hurt, to the heartache, and to the sorrow of this world. Yes, his mother and father love him and quickly wrap the naked baby in swaddling clothes. But nonetheless, he arrives in a birthday suit. And the Bible doesn't comment much on Jesus' clothing but you know, I'm sure like any other child growing up, there is that point where Mary's like, I can't keep this kid in clothing. If they had the means, I'm sure that Jesus had a special tunic worn to the synagogue on the Sabbath. When Jesus begins his public ministry, when he gives his first sign, as John calls it, he is almost certainly clothed with wedding garments as he helps the bride and the groom making water into wine. There are a couple of times in the Gospels when we know that clothing that Jesus was wearing actually reflected who he was by nature, God and man. During his travels one of the times, when his robes would have been dirty and in need of washing, there was a woman, a woman pushing through the crowds, a woman trusting Jesus, a woman who just said, if I could only touch his garment, and I'll be healed. And as she does, by God's grace, she is. For the garment is wrapped around the Son of God. Then there was that time with Peter and James and John, that the glory that belongs to Jesus by his very nature, it shone through his appearance, and his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. But there are some very clear references to what Jesus was and was not wearing 
in the last days of his ministry, after his mock trial, after his sentencing to crucifixion, the soldiers wrapped him in a purple robe. They put on his head a crown of thorns and they mocked and humiliated this pretender to the throne. And a short time later, he will hang naked on the cross as the soldiers divide his garments and gamble for his outer tunic. And those times we speak of Jesus being stripped of his life as if the soldiers took it from him. The Bible is clear that in the end, Jesus handed over his spirit and breathed his last. And what Job lamented became the full truth for God in the flesh. Naked, I came from my mother's womb. Naked, I shall return. Merry Christmas. You know, I mentioned earlier that Mark Twain, excuse me, Samuel Clemens, with his usual wit and true, he had a great insight into the human condition. He made an observation about clothing. He says, clothes make the man. Naked people have little or no influence on society. But then again, the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Yes, nothing seems more weak or more foolish than God being born and dying naked. But when we see what he is accomplishing, it is none, no less than incredible in every true sense of that word. And we see that he has been of a great influence on society. Because what's going on is Jesus is making a great exchange with us. You know, this time of the year, the word exchange, <laughs> well, it might bring to mind Aunt Addie's very nice gift from Silver Senior Shop that you're going to have to exchange for a store certificate that you're never going to use. But tonight's exchange is so much greater. It is, it's an exchange not of gifts between you and your family, but between God and man. We heard the prophet Isaiah tell us of this work and this exchange. God the Son entered this world as one of us to proclaim of the Lord's favor. He was born and he lived to give those who mourn in Zion a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. And Jesus died and rose again that we might say, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exalt in my God for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. That's the exchange that's going on. It begins our celebration tonight with the birth of Jesus. That he takes on our humanity, our flesh, our blood. 
along with our heartache, our hardships, even our death. And in his life, he is faithful, even when we've been faithless. He rejects every expression of sin and lives perfectly according to the will of God. He lives in perfect love, as we so often fail to do. And he takes his perfect life cross and offers it for us. As he hangs on that cross, he is clothed with our sin, with our shame. He takes our filthy rags of rebellion against God and he wrings out every ounce of God's wrath in his own flesh and blood. And in exchange, he gives to us his salvation and his righteousness. Through Jesus, we are given an entirely new wardrobe. Believing in him, you are covered head from toe with the goodness that Jesus earned for you. You are so completely covered by Jesus, in fact, that when God looks at you, he no longer sees any of your evil deeds. He does not see your terrible choices. Not any of the countless times when you've rejected him or failed him. He sees none of that. He sees only the goodness of his son. You know, Pastor Berg and I, and many other pastors before, we symbolize this great exchange in our clothing. Yeah, we wear this funny piece of archaic clothing as a visible reminder of Christ's work for you all. In a lot of churches, <laughs> the casual look is in and it's cool. But we continue to wear this white robe as a reminder of the cover we have received from Jesus. Okay, it covers us from shoulder to toes, but it covers us totally. It's a visible reminder of what we receive through Christ Jesus, what he has done for us, this magnificent, wonderful exchange. Every time we pronounce the words of forgiveness, we're giving you this robe. It's yours. Every time we receive Christ, as he comes to us in Holy Communion, we're again robed with his righteousness. No matter who you are, what you've done, what sins you've committed, what doubts you carry, what issues you have. The good news is Jesus has come for you and he has made this exchange for you. Wear what he offers with great joy and know that from now on, the clothes do make the man. In the eyes of God the Father, you look amazing because you are robed in the righteousness of of Jesus. Amen. The peace of God which transcends all of our understanding established in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection strengthen your hearts and grant you his peace. Amen. Thanks for listening to Lightly Salted. We'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at stjohnspr.org or look for us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Our thanks to Eric Medeish at soundimage.org for Morning Jew. God's blessings.